Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. We are going to be in the second message tonight on what I've called our basic beliefs. Last week we shared, I'm saved and I know it. And we talked about our assurance that we have in salvation. And this week, I have security in my Savior. That's the title for you. I have security in my Savior. We're going to talk about the doctrine of our security that we believe in. We believe our salvation is secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read. We're going to be in several verses tonight. We'll read verses 27 through 29, getting started. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. There was a fellow that worked in a grocery store, and he was the janitor of the grocery store. Uh, I believe they had him around the store because he talked to all the customers. He's that guy that just made everybody feel at home there. I don't know how well he cleaned up the store. But I know he was good with talking to the customers. And he had one conversation on his mind. And he talked about it over and over. And that was that he needed a new broom. He had worn his broom out that he was using, and the floors were getting dirty, and he needed a new broom. He knew which broom he wanted. He told the manager about it over and over. He was telling the customers over and over, I need a new broom to clean the store. Finally, the manager broke down and cut into the profits of the store, and he ordered him a broom, ju just like he wanted. So he had a new conversation when the customers come in. I have a new broom. I have, look at the floors, they're cleaner. I have a new broom. And one customer said, well, let me see that broom of yours. And he said, I can't. I can't show it to you because it's locked up in the janitor's closet and I don't even have the key. Aren't you glad that when your heart opened to the Lord and He came in and God shut that door, and shut a relationship inside you that, that God is the holder of that key. And you're not the holder of that key. That's where we find our security. In the fact that God holds the key to that relationship. We opened our heart to salvation. And Jesus came in. And we have a relationship that is sure. We have an eternal relationship with Him. And it is secure. Tonight we're going to share the, the security that we have for eternity in the Lord. You know, that's just not a way of thinking that we have in this world. 
I'm sure if there's, there's a, there are a lot of kids here. There are some adults here. And if you're a kid, you've probably heard before that if you're not good, you're not going to get a Christmas present. And if you're good, you're, you're going to get something really nice. Parent, kids, you probably heard that. Parents, you probably said that. And a lot of times, maybe we've said that joking around. But I tell you what, there's some people that, that really live like that. There's some people in this world that don't feel like they're loved by their family unless they're living right and unless they're doing good and doing right. And, and when someone stumbles and when someone trips and falls, it's as though they're abandoned by the family and they're disowned by the family and, and they're all alone. And that's enough to make someone a physical and an emotional wreck. It, that's that's got to be hard to deal with, to feel that way, to be born into a family and then to feel like you're not even a member of the family. Maybe some people might make others feel that way and, and, and the recipient of that abuse might make them feel like they're not. But what is the fact of the matter? I mean, nobody can do anything about it. When you're born into a family, you're a member of that family. Yeah, maybe you haven't talked to that family in years, your family in years. But when you're born into a family, that is your family. That is your family for life. And it's the same way with the family of God. When a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, they are born into the family of God. And that can never be changed. Therefore, you and I have an experience of all the peace and all of the security that we could ever want to experience as children of God in the family of God. God wants you and I to know we're secure. He wants you and I to rest in a security that He has provided for us. You know, we are affected by stability or instability in our lives. I guess God knew all along that I was, I was good for being a Baptist. Because when I was a kid, I, I mean, I didn't like change. My dad was a very hard worker and a good worker. He... He didn't miss uh, three days of work in 40 years. But he changed companies a lot. That's the nature of construction. Maybe it's also in my dad's nature because he'd just tell the boss how it is sometimes. Nevertheless, I just remember being a kid going, what? Dad's not driving that white company car anymore with that, with that star on the side. He was an electrical inspector for the city of Houston. And it just blew my mind when, when that wasn't his job anymore. I mean, I didn't like change. And I, I felt like this, I felt unstable in this, you know. And what, Dad works for Fisk Electric. He works downtown. We're going to pick him up from a high-rise building. What's going on here? Dad doesn't work for Fisk anymore. I mean, instability affected me in a more serious way. There, were a, there was a lot of division and a lot of separation in, in my immediate family uh, growing up. And, and I didn't think about it back then. 
I didn't think, I, I know, I, I can think back and I know I felt different. I didn't know what it was, but looking back now, I, can, I could see that the instability, it really affected me. It affected the whole family. We couldn't keep our focus as it should be in life. I mean, it, it affected us moving forward. It, it, we, weren't, we weren't on the majors. We were dilly-dallying and minors in life. And, and, and everything was just all over the place. And it was an unstable environment. It, it, it causes problems. And, you know, as children of God... We have something to focus on, to live for the glory of God. We have some service to give. We have some work to do in the Lord, and we have something to keep our focus on. And if we had some uncertainty about our future, if there was something unknown and unresolved about our eternity with God, and we did not know what was going to happen in our eternity with God, that would hinder us. That would handicap us. That would make it hard for you and I to keep our focus on what we have to do now. In the task at hand. You know, there are a lot of unsaved people. And, and the reason many give anyway, why they will not be saved is, I just don't think I can live that life. I don't think I can live up to that. One fellow was witness to, and he seemed very sincere. And so he was asked, after having the gospel presented to him, he was asked, give me one good reason why you will reject Jesus Christ right here in your driveway and you will not receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he said, because the, the lifestyle I live and what I did last weekend, I think it's what I would do this weekend. I, don't, I couldn't live up to that. You know what? And people are right. They're not going to live up to God's standard. And hey, faithful who are here tonight, including me, we don't live up to God's standard either. But it's not about living up to Christ. It's about Christ living in us. And He does. And, and we're learning that He never leaves us, but He's leading us. And we're learning to live the Christian life in His power by leaning on those everlasting arms. And we're focused on this. And we have a sure eternity. We have security as children of God. May we see tonight this security that we have in Christ. Look, God never intended for you and I to wander with worry what was going to happen to us when we leave this earth and leave this life. Once we have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior, He does not want us to be bogged down with anxiety of, of what's going to happen in that day and time. You know, I've said before that 
I believe the greatest blessing after experiencing salvation is leading someone else to Christ. And, you know, I, I think I might have to bump that down one. Because there's being saved. That's the greatest experience we'll ever have. And then I believe it's the security we experience in our salvation. I mean, that makes us want to lead someone to Christ. So, uh, so the greatest blessing just may be beyond salvation, beyond being saved, the security that we can know and experience as children of God. Once you are saved, you can never be lost again. Now, as I say that, some may ask the question, well, well, Brother Kenneth, what about those who confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you know, and they're baptized and, and they, they get on the membership role and they're here in the church and then they pull a, a disappearing act, Brother Kenneth. I mean, all of a sudden they're gone. They're not in this church. They're not in any church. I know about it. They're out living in the world. And they've lived in the world for years and years and years. And that's all they do. And they seem to have no concern about anything to do with spiritual matters whatsoever. Look. I can't blanket everyone's situation here, but I can give a good, simple, easy, general answer for a lot of those. They were never saved. You know, you can slap some butter on some kittens and throw them in the oven, but that doesn't make them biscuits. And somebody can come into the church and they can confess Jesus and they can be baptized and they, and they can be around the things that God. That doesn't make them a Christian. Just because they're in church, okay? You know, many will say things like, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing Matthew chapter 7. Many will say things like, when they stand before the Lord, Hey, I, I went to your church in your son's name. I took my kids to ministries in, in your son's name. And I did those things. And you know, the Lord's not going to say that they didn't do those things. But he's going to say, I never knew you, ye worker of iniquity. Depart from me. I mean, we've all seen people go through the motions of that disappearing act. They didn't lose salvation. They never had salvation. Listen to 1 John Chapter 2 and verse 19. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Going away and staying away, I mean, for good, is one that was never saved. Because the straying child of God is going to be corrected by their father. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5 
says this, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. We, I'm thankful for the correction of the Lord on my heart. I'm thankful for that conviction because that's just another thing that lets me know that I am a child of God. God does not correct lost people, but he corrects his children and he does it because he loves us and he does it for our good. And those who are saved are eternally saved. And look, we're not just going to say that and stop here tonight. We're going to talk about why we're eternally saved. So that we might know what we believe and why we believe what we believe. Why do we believe that we are eternally secure? Well, let's start out real simple. Because of a guarantee. And I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 38 for just a minute here. Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's start out real simply here with God's guarantee to us. My junior high football coach, Coach Lucky, he, he could tell when he was teaching us defense, when we weren't paying attention or we weren't that interested, he said, looky here, I'm trying to show you something and I'm going to guarantee you something. He was, he, was a, he was a guarantor, man. He said, if you will believe what I'm telling you to do, if you will listen, I guarantee you in the game that you're going to have an effective defense and you're going to stop a lot of plays. He wouldn't guarantee, of course, that we're going to win the game. But he would guarantee that if we believed what he was saying and we listened and we, and we accomplished it, it would do that which it was set out to accomplish. And if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, believing in the Word of God... You've experienced salvation and you've experienced security in the Savior. We have this guarantee in God's word, but that's not all that we have. We are eternally secure. Let me say this because of a grinding, because God has grinded out the work for us. Listen to Philippians 1 6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Would you see who's grinding out the work in this verse here? We have the Lord who is starting the work and we have the Lord who will finish the work. We decided on Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But we only did that because the Lord drew us. And He drew us. And He's going to direct us throughout our lives. And then He is going to deliver you and I to heaven one day. He finishes the work that He starts out. 
Bear with me as I move to Ecclesiastes 3.14. I would like to read a verse over there for us uh, for just a second. Ecclesiastes 3.14 says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. God finishes what he starts. And he has started a work in you. He has begun a work in you when he saved you. And he's going to finish it. God finishes what he starts. The doctrine of losing our salvation. If that were true. Then that would mean that God doesn't finish Everything he starts because he personally makes that application to you and I in Philippians 1, 6 that he has started something in you and I and he will finish it. But that would mean that he doesn't finish what he starts. That would mean that he fails in some areas if we weren't eternally secure. That would mean that God has a weakness. That's what that would mean because of what he's claimed in his word. It would mean that God is not the greatest that there is, but that there would have to be something greater to, than God to divert his plan, to mess up his plan. It would mean that something or someone has more power than God and can interrupt his purpose that he has planned. And that's impossible. God will finish all things that he starts. He will finish what he has begun in you and I. He's grinding it out. Another reason we are eternally secure is because of a game plan. Turn again to Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For whom? He did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn, firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. So God not only can do everything that it takes to make us secure, He planned to do everything that it takes to make you and I secure. He didn't plan to save certain people, but He did plan to save whosoever will. And to make us to be more like Jesus. To be conformed to the image of his dear son. And then to take us to heaven. Security was in his game plan. Before he made man. Alright. Before anyone was on this earth. God had a salvation plan. And it was full of security. So, so before anyone was on this earth. He had a plan of salvation. To secure them for after this earth. Therefore, there is nothing on this earth 
that can undo what God did in his plan before there ever was you and I. It's impossible to be saved than lost. It's not in the game plan. We believe in eternal security because of a gift. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. We learned at winter retreat this past year that sanctified is and salvation are interchangeable in some places in the Bible. Look, our flesh is not going to make it into heaven. I, I don't want my flesh to make it into heaven. My flesh is a lot of trouble. But it's not going to heaven because it's defiled. It's a sin-producing factory. It's corrupt. It's tainted. But our soul has been perfected by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And what he has done for us permanently. What God has imputed into our soul cannot leave. He has imputed his righteousness into our soul. And our soul doesn't have any leaks. And he has filled us up. He has filled us up by the blood of His Son. And we are paid in full by the blood of Jesus. Look, when we got saved, we got a new beginning. And a new ending came with the new beginning. When we got saved, we got it all. Look, we are not making payments Toward the price that Jesus paid for us by good works. And we're not gaining security by good things that we do. And we're not having debts added to our account by the things that are not acceptable to God. And the things that we do in error or, the, or bad works. Look, there are no payments. There are no debts. There's nothing like that going on as we talk about our position as children of God in salvation. I'm not talking about our condition, but I'm talking about our position that we are eternally secure in. There, there's nothing, there's no payments that's accepted. There's no payments rejected. It's just simply this. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That's true and that's not true. Because... We do not owe Him a single thing for our salvation. It was given freely by grace. But there again, He is just due all the glory we could ever give to Him. He is due honor. He is due praise. So we can, we can make the verse of that song correct in the fact that that we ought to be a debtor to everyone with this salvation that He has saved us with. And, and we're a debtor to give Him honor and praise. But we don't owe Him anything for our salvation because it was a gift. It was free. There's nothing that He would accept for us. You're not being financed in salvation. The Bible tells us that we are bought with a price. We're eternally secure 
because of a grounding. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That word creature means creation. We are a new creation in Christ. We're a new creation when we're saved. Jesus Christ created us, but because of our sin, we are Christless. We begin, we enter this world Christless. We are without God. We are at enmity with God. But when we're saved, Christ comes to take up residence in our lives. He comes to live within The Bible says he abides. The Bible says that he dwells. He takes up residence in our lives. So so what do we have here? We're made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. When our faith is placed in Jesus Christ, he comes to live within you and I. And him living within you and I gives us eternal life. All right? So if we could lose our salvation, then God the Father and God the Son would have to be divided and separated from one another. For us to lose our relationship with Jesus. You understand? That's what would have to happen. For us to be able to do that. And when all of our sin. Came on Jesus Christ on that cross. And he said. My father why hast thou forsaken me? That's the only time. That there was any separation between the Father and the Son. Because he couldn't look upon that sin. And Jesus paid for our sins. Hebrews says once for all. So that separation. That darkness that came upon this world when Jesus took our sin. When every rock cracked on this earth. When that veil was rent in twain. And they were separate. Look, he did that once For all. He's not doing that again. And that would be the only way. That the father and son. Would be separated. And that's not happening happening again. So it's an impossibility. For that to happen. To be saved. Is to be permanently positioned with Christ. But we're eternally secure. Because of our grasp. Let's turn back to John 5. 24. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, here it is, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. When we got saved, God got a hold of us. When we got saved, God came into full possession 
of you and I. He has us. And we have him. And we have him now. We have him right now. We are not waiting to see if we have him when we die. It's, that's, that's trouble for anybody that's waiting on that. We have him now. So to be saved. But not go to heaven. Would mean that Jesus wasn't giving believers what he said he was giving believers. Because Jesus says, I give unto them eternal life. And he wasn't talking about future tense. He was talking about present tense. So if, so if someone could lose their salvation, then Jesus is null and void in that area. Because eternal life is life forever. And there, were, there weren't any hoops or hopscotch or hula hoops to do. Nothing like that. I give unto them eternal life. And we have it. He does give eternal life. He, he meant what he says. He's true in that promise. He gave never-ending life to me when I was saved. And he gave never-ending life to you when you were saved by him. You have eternal life if you know him. We are eternally secure because of a go-between. In John chapter 17, this is what I call the Lord's Prayer because this is the Lord praying. This is God the Son talking to God the Father. We have a model prayer in Matthew, but here we have what I'll call the Lord's Prayer. We pray. And don't you know that sometimes we pray amiss? You know, we have confidence that if we ask anything according to the will of God, we have that we've asked for. According to the will of God. We ask amiss sometimes. Every Christian still asks amiss sometimes. We might be on different levels of growing and learning how to pray, but we're all still learning. And we've all asked in the wrong way, wrong motive, wrong time, wrong everything sometimes. But here we see that Jesus prays. And he always prays according to the Father's will. He always has. One time he asked if the cup could pass from him. But he qualified it with nevertheless not my will. But thy will be done. Jesus is 100% on his prayers. Jesus has received. He received everything that he prayed for. Because it was right in accordance with the Father. God the Son to God the Father. And it's 100% perfect. And it's 100% accuracy. And would you look with me in, in verse uh, uh, 20 of John 17. And we're going to see that he prays for us. Neither pray I for these alone. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's us. That's us. Jesus prays 
for you and I. Wow, that's, and he prays perfectly according to the will of God. Wow. Somebody used to tell granddaddy, I'm going to pray for you. And he said, please don't. And everybody looked at him crazy. And he said, I don't know how you're going to pray. But I know how Jesus prays. And so do you. He prays according to the Father's will. And he prays for us. And let's look at something else he prays. In verse 24 of John 17, he says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Okay. We all agree that Jesus has never not prayed according to God's will. And his prayer is that we would be with him. And that's according to God's will. He has 100% accuracy. And so what we have in this prayer right here is the security that we have. That we are saved. We are going to be with him. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there ye may be also. Praise God. For what we have. In our Lord and Savior. And his prayer according to the will of God. We. We have security. We believe we have security. Because of a guardian. In 1 Peter 1.5. A verse you're all familiar with here. It says we're kept. By the power of God. Through faith. You know this good old word right here. It's always new. It's always new. John 10.27-29. through 29, Where we started. I've read that. Several, several times. I've studied it out. I've studied the words. I studied that word perish. I studied that word pluck because we'll never be plucked out of our father's hand. I wanted to know what that means. And every time I looked at that, there were certain things I focused on. And there's something I missed. And this probably doesn't mean much to you, but it does to me. I had this special moment one night going down the road in my truck, and I was listening to a sermon, and I couldn't tell you what the sermon was about, but the preacher read these verses, and it's like I didn't hear perish, and I didn't hear pluck, but I heard my Father, which giveth them, which gave them unto me, is greater than all. My father. Is greater. Than all. You know there are a lot of things that are greater than you and I. There are a lot of things that are more powerful than you and I. You don't have to turn back there again. But I'm going to turn again to Romans chapter 8. And. And I want you to think about some things in this list. Tribulation. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, death, life, angels, principalities, powers, 
things present, things to come, height, depth, any other creature. Every one of those things could sever us in our power. If salvation had anything to do with being in our power, everything on that list could sever you and I and separate you and I from God. Every one of those things are greater than you and I. Aren't you glad that salvation is not dependent upon our power, but that it's dependent upon God's power? God, who is greater than all. Peter says what? We are kept by the power of God through faith. God and His power is greater than all. And you and I are kept by that. You believe that? Do you believe in the power of God? Because we're kept by the power of God through faith. My Father who is greater than all. So for such a thing as losing salvation to exist, there would have to be something or there would have to be someone that is greater in power than God. It would, that would have to exist. And there is nothing that exists that is greater than God. Nothing is more powerful than God. Nothing measures up to God. Nothing is comparable to God. Nothing comes close to God. Nothing comes close to His power. And we are kept by the power of God through faith. You've been saved with a salvation not to worry about, but to worship about. God has a special focus for you and I, and it's not wondering, and it's not uncertainty. I think back, this, this got me to thinking back on uncertainties in my life, and it was a pretty dark time. It was a pretty rough time of uncertainty all through my childhood. I wasn't saved till I was 32 years old. And, and so I had all of these years and so many uncertain things that I went through. And what a comfort it is that, that God is who He says He is and He has done what He says He has done. And we don't have to be concerned with uncertainty. He's not the author of confusion. The only way to enjoy what the Lord has done for you and I is for you and I to understand and accept that He's done it all. He has done it all. For you and I. And who knows. Maybe there's someone out there. That's, that's listening tonight. Online. And maybe you have put off salvation. Like, like many have said. Because you can't live up to it. Two things. That is an extremely dangerous delay. That you're making. For your soul. For eternity. Another thing is you're right. You can't live up to it. But Jesus Christ lived for us. He lived for us and he died for us. And God being satisfied with what Jesus did for us was shown by him raising him from the grave. And there's someone out there tonight and they're fretting and they're exhausted. And they have been full of anxiety 
Because they're looking at the, the, the bad they did, the wrong they did, and they're looking at the good they've done, and they, they're thinking about standing before God, and they're hoping they're doing enough so that they can be accepted by God. You're planning on presenting your life for God, and you're getting real tired. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand before God, not with my life, but in the life of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that you can do that as a child of God? If we had, if we had the acts, if we had just the life of Jesus Christ consolidated in one story with his name at the top, we can put our name right there with it. And stand before God with his life to be accepted. We're going to be judged for our works. We're going before the judgment seat of Christ. And that's another judgment. But to stand before God in his holy courtroom. I, I get to offer him Jesus' life for mine to be, to be accepted. And that's security to be able to do that. And God's no respecter of persons. And every single person can stand before God with Jesus' life. That's what He has done for you and I. And that is sure. And that is security for you and I. And if you will trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are going to be safe. And you are going to be secure. You are going to experience that in salvation. And I hope you do that tonight. Before your head hits your bed. If, if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I, I hope you'll do that. And, and we'll help you here at this church. to You contact anyone and we'll be glad to help you. Or anyone here tonight. Who, does, who is uneasy right now about the most important, sure, assured, secure thing in life you can know and have. If you don't, you can handle that right now. You can handle that before you leave God's sanctuary tonight. And you need to. You, you better. You better. Because it's dangerous to delay. It's not something you think you have. It's, you don't motivate and pump yourself up and tell you yourself you're saved. I know I believed. I know I've done this. I've went to church. It's not about what you did. It's what Jesus did. Jesus saves. You don't save yourself. Jesus saves. And when he saves you, he changes you. And he assures you. And he gives you security. And don't leave here tonight if you don't know that. We're not through with security, though. Next week, we're going to talk about this. Two, two parts of this. Because maybe people listening out there, I couldn't hear them through the camera. But they might have been quoting other scripture to me. Thinking that they're, they're countering and they're tearing up what I'm saying. We're going to, I know what those verses are. And next week we're going to take those verses. And we're going to talk about those verses. Because we know, we know what we believed. I have security in my Savior. We say that and we know it. And we know it by the word of God. If you're unsaved here tonight, don't leave. You're, you're going to be loved. You're going to be shared with. You're going to have just the word of God shared with you, not man's opinion. And you can know the Lord's salvation. George Bowman, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight, sir? Thank you for being here.